Hi, I'm Andrea. And I'm Jennifer. We're two women who met through our love of writing and our shared experiences with grief. What began as a commonality with loss evolved into a beautiful friendship that has taken our grief and shown us how God's glory can come from it. Through our many conversations, we've learned that there's so much more to the grieving process than meets the eye, and we want to explore that with you and share not just our experiences, but the experiences of others from a faith perspective. We hope you will join us on this journey to morning glory. Welcome back to the Morning Glory podcast, where we share our journeys of loss, faith, and hope. I'm Andrea Baer, and with me is Jen Thomas this morning. How are you, Jen? I'm doing well, thanks, Andrea. How are you? I'm doing great. I am kind of going through some changes this year. So my daughter, uh, my oldest, is going into her senior year, and it's a little tricky because this is new ground for me, and I thought about this for years and years and years, and now I'm finally here. And this is kind of this is kind of throwing me a little bit. Uh, my good friend just had her daughter last year finish her senior year, and I was watching her social media post and you know, kind of her agony and her joys and her pains. And it was at the time I thought, okay, that's not a big deal. But now that I'm in it and I'm actually going through it, I kind of see exactly what she's going through, and so. It made me think about what we're going through in terms of our life and what God's plans are for us. Yeah, I can definitely understand. I mean, that's giving you so many different feelings. I'm feeling a bit anxious. My oldest is just going into fourth grade. And even the thought of her going into middle school in a couple of years is like almost making me anxious just for her and on her behalf. So I can't even imagine what it feels like having a senior in high school. And, oh, I have a little bit of time before I have to think about that. (laughs) It's a lot of prayers, but, you know, I know that we'll get through it, but I have to just, that's my control nature, my control freak. I have to just let it go, but it doesn't make it's going to be easy. So, but it, it kind of brought us to the topic of looking at plans. You know, we all think we have this idea of how our life is going to be. We make plans, we create goals, and if you're like me, you're a control freak, you think they're going to go a specific way, you even think God's going to carry out your own plans. But sometimes those plans don't always work out the way we want them to. So what happens then? Sometimes God has other plans for us. How do we adjust to a life that God has planned, even if it wasn't something that we originally wanted for ourselves? And it brings up the scripture, Jeremiah, for I know the plans I have for you, plans for welfare, not for woe, plans to give you a future full of hope. And this brought into mind um, a writer that I have followed for a couple years now, Mary Lienenberg, and she has shared a lot about the plans that God had for her, plans that she didn't really originally see for herself, but in the end, realized that God's plan was really ultimately the best. Mary's daughter suffered a seizure disorder and physical disability, and Mary has kind of shared her experience through her daughter's life. So we're going to bring her on in just a minute, but maybe, Jen, you could read a little bit about her bio. 
Yeah. So listeners, we are so excited and honored to have Mary with us. She is a full-time Catholic speaker, an award-winning author, and has served her home parish in many roles, including catechist, sacristan, and extraordinary minister of Holy Communion. Mary and her husband, Jerry, have been happily married for 35 years and were blessed with two children. Their son, Jonathan, is happily married, and he and his wife, Jessica, recently made Mary and Jerry grandparents. Yay! Welcoming um, their uh, son, Jude, to the family. Their daughter, Courtney, went home to the Lord in 2014 and continues to intercede for the family daily. Mary spends her time writing, baking, making gumbo, creating excellent Instagram reels, especially about what she wears, and offering wit and wisdom as she welcomes friends and family to her table. So Mary, on behalf of Andrea and I and our listeners at the Morning Glory podcast, we welcome you. Thank you so much for having me. It's a delight to be with you both today. I'm excited. Well, we are excited to have you. Uh, Both Jennifer and I admittedly are fangirls of you. We've been following you for a few years now. So it's the honor is ours. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. It's very humbling when um, when other writers, uh, you know, tell you that they're your fangirls and you're just like, no, I think we're fangirls of each other. And, and I think that's the beauty of the Catholic writing community is that we all cheer each other on. So it's, it's a privilege for me to be with you today. Amen. Amen. Well, why don't you share a little bit about your background, um, why you got into writing, a little bit about your family? Sure. So um, my husband and I have been married, uh, my husband, Jerry, and I have been married for 35 years, as you said. And um, we're new grandparents. Our grandson, Jude, is the, the light and delight of our lives. Um, I kind of stumbled into writing. I, I am a dyslexic. dyslexic and, um, and I really hated school. Like, I hated school horribly. And I barely got through it. I went to Catholic school for the first eight years of my life and then went to public high school. But when I was a junior in high school, I started writing for our school newspaper. I just loved the people that were on the school newspaper staff, and I loved the teacher that led it. And so I kind of was drawn in that way to writing um, that was exciting for me. And so my first kind of jaunts at writing were more kind of on a reporter, sort of journalistic look at life. And then you know, I got married, I had uh, two kids, and then Courtney started having seizures when she was five weeks old. My husband was in the Navy. It was just, it was a lot. There was a lot that was happening in our early marriage. Uh, We didn't handle things very well. We both struggled with addiction, my husband to pornography, myself to food. And, you know, and in the midst of all of that, here was our daughter who um, was just trying to take her next breath. You know, we were just trying to keep her earth side for many, many years. And so it was not the life that I anticipated having, but in the end, it was the life that, that we needed, you know, our family needed Courtney. We needed her just as she was because she taught us so many things. And I know we're going to talk about that as we go through the podcast, but um, I'm a very reluctant writer. I'm very honest about it. The only reason that I've published two books is because God wrote them with me. And it was a very simple ask. He was like, Mary, just trust me and do it. And it was, it was not fun. I did not enjoy it. Um, And he's asked me to, you know, continue that and to write a third. And 
it's not enjoyable for me. I love communicating with people. I love storytelling, but the actual art of writing um, just reminds me of, you know, college essays and book reports. So, but when the Lord asks you to do something, uh, you know, he, as they say all the time, uh, the Lord does not call the equipped, he equips the called. And so he has given me everything that I need to do it. Um, it's not necessarily like, like I said, fun, but in the end it's his. So I'm, I'm happy to be obedient to that. You know, Mary, we, um, we actually interviewed uh, Jane Lieback, another fellow Catholic author, and she made the comment about losing her daughter, Emily Rose, that she needed to be Emily Rose's mother and Emily Rose needed her to be her mother. And it sounds like the same thing with you and Courtney, that, you know, you needed her to be your daughter and she needed you to be her mother because God knew you both needed each other. Absolutely. I, you know, I grew up with six brothers and one sister. I was surrounded by boys my whole life. So when we found out we were having a girl, we'd had our son, Jonathan, he was two and a half when Courtney was born. I was just over the moon thrilled. And all I could think of was pink petticoats and ribbons in the hair and Barbie dolls and baby dolls and all the things. And then when she was six weeks old, she began having grand mal seizures actually on the day of her baptism. And, you know, in the beginning, you're just shocked and you're just like, wait, oh, we can fix it. We can fix it. And you say all the prayers and you do all the things. And then, you know, all of a sudden she's seven months old. She's eight months old. And we give her a medication that she has an allergic reaction to. And she has a brain stem seizure and that changes everything. So not only do you have, you know, the, what I thought my life would be, which was, you know, pleated, uh, school uniforms and, and children that played soccer and went to ballet. And, you know, you have that sort of that dream life in your mind. And before you know it, you've got this binder that's three inches thick that you carry in your car, because every time you go to another doctor, they're giving you all this information and, and you're just trying to keep it all, you know, all together in your mind and in your heart. And here's this beautiful little blonde haired, blue eyed wonder who needs you to do everything you know, along with her brother, who's just trying to be a typical child. So um, I needed Courtney because Courtney shook me out of myself. She brought me out of myself. I tend to be um, a, a very tunnel vision person. Uh, I'm rather selfish. And I don't do that to, you know, to, to kind of degrade myself. I'm just honest. I'm very self-aware of who I am. And as my husband says, you are all that and a bag of chips. So that's what I think all the time. And Courtney just kind of, she didn't allow it, you know? Um, she showed us who God was. Uh, there's a beautiful book called Les Miserables. And in there, Victor Hugo, the author writes, to see the face of Christ is, is to look at another person, you know, eye to eye, that Jesus is with them. And, and we are all made in his image and likeness. And and the greatest lesson Courtney ever taught us was our life is not our own. It's not about us, right? I would look at her. There's nothing that Courtney could do to earn my love. There is nothing I can do to earn God's love. And so she mirrored that relationship between me and God, the father. And I struggled with that relationship in my youth. You know, I always saw God as very authoritarian and very judgmental. And, you know, you do this right or you, this happens to you. I had an Irish Catholic father. So it was very, very similar how I saw it. But Courtney 
she broke that mold because you just loved her. You know, her one job on this earth was to love and to be love. And she showed us how to receive love. She showed us how to receive it in the form of physical love, in the form of charitable love. You know, there are many financial struggles we had throughout our life when Courtney was here. And, and it was just hard. It was, it was a very humbling experience to be Courtney's mom, but I would not be who I am. Jonathan wouldn't be who he is. Jerry wouldn't be who he is without her in our life. And um, we were made for one another. And now that she's been in heaven for, by the time this podcast comes out, it'll be almost nine years, you know, um, she's still working. She's working so hard on behalf of our family. So yeah, we were made for one another. God knew what he was doing. He knew what to allow and what to heal and what not to. So I love that. And, you know, I think what you really stuck on is that you said that Courtney's life or, or anyone's life, our life is not our own. And I think that's very important for us to kind of look at because we go through the motions so often thinking that we have to do something. We've got this idea of what our life is going to be like, how we're going to proceed and our plan and everything that we do in it is going to work out. And then when it doesn't work out, we start to, that's where a lot of times people lose their faith because they question, you know, why God, why did you put this in front of me? Or maybe you don't love me because you're putting this obstacle. You gave me, you know, you gave my loved one cancer. My, this person has a loss. And really, we have to look at how is our life being served. So I, I really love that you could see that and that, you know, your daughter taught you that through all of this experience. Yeah, we didn't see it right away. Let me be very clear. <laughs> For like the first seven years, we treated her almost like just a rare car when one thing would break or something would go wrong, the whole car would shut down kind of thing. So we tried very hard to fix her and what God showed us over time, um, especially in the year 2000, when we were on a healing pilgrimage to Lord's France, what he did there, uh, what he and our lady did together there was it took four years for us to kind of unwrap that and, and let it unravel in our lives. And, he showed us that she had purpose. Now, it's not that we didn't think our daughter didn't have purpose, but she, you know, when God says, I'm going to allow what I'm going to allow, I'm going to give you everything you need to, you know, live the life that I have provided for you. You know, a lot of people, when you said, you know, they gave my dad cancer or my sister this or whatever, they asked the big why. God is a big God. He can handle our whys. He can handle our tantrums. He can handle our, I can't believe you did this again. He can handle all of that because he allows what he allows for our good and his glory. And it took me a long time to get with that program because it involved my child and myself, but my child, most of all, suffering. And that's not something any of us really like stretch to reach for, you know, we're not just going, Hey, how are we going to suffer today? Let's do this. That's not our inclination as people, right? We want comfort. We want ease. We want everything to be okay. We don't want any storms, right? We don't, we don't run to the storm. And yet that's what our Catholic faith teaches us. That's what Jesus did. He walked to Calvary, you know, and he did it on behalf of me and you and Courtney and every other human walking, right? He walked into the storm. 
And he took that all on for us. And so what he was asking of Jerry and myself and of Jonathan was to kind of get on board with the storm of Courtney and just ride it out with her and to be her hands and feet and to not be afraid of the suffering. And not only that, but to use it or to allow God to use it to move people toward him. There are people that prayed for Courtney in her lifetime that never stepped foot in a church. And yet they would meet her, they would talk with us, and they just, they were moved to talk to God on her behalf. I mean, I can't do that. Like, she never said a word, she never took a step, and yet her example, what she, how she lived so simply and so beautifully, you couldn't help but love her, and thereby loving her, you love the Lord. It's so funny that you say that, uh you know, by her example, so many people came to God. And and that's really, I think, the work of, of how our God works for us is he does it in the smallest ways. He does it in the most simple. And so often I think we're the ones that we overcomplicate it, you know, uh, and I can tell when everything that you said and, and Jen and I are very similar natured as you, Mary, that we tend to want to be in charge. We want to be in control. We want to put this out. I mean, I even, there was a time where I remember I uh, told God, you know, I trust you. I trust you're going to carry out my plan. I trust you're going to carry out the way it's supposed to be how I want it. And obviously that's not what he wants because I'm telling him who's in charge and, and he is such a simple God and yet complex at the same time. And he works through that simplicity in us. So I, I love that you, that the, so many people were able to see God through your daughter. I mean, that really is a testament of, of the amazingness of, of our Lord. It just, you know, it goes to the uniqueness of who he made her to be and the dignity of her life. Um, and there's a beautiful scripture. I believe it's either in Mark or Luke. I can never remember exactly where, you know, the apostles come to Jesus and they're looking at this man who cannot walk, who cannot talk. And they're like, Lord, you know, what sin did his family commit for this to come upon him? And Jesus is very clear in that scripture. And he says, no sin has been committed. This has been allowed that the glory of God might shine through. And so when I read that scripture, I was like, hello, this is my life. You know, I mean, it couldn't have been more clear. God can only love. God didn't make Courtney disabled. He allowed things to happen. He didn't stop them. Um, but he allowed what he allowed for her good in his glory, for my good in his glory, for our family's good and for the world's good, because Courtney had everything she needed in order to do the job he asked of her. She had everything. She wasn't a mistake. God didn't make junk. It was all there. Mary, I have a question for you, and maybe this is something you could share with our listeners. So, as, a, as faith-filled Catholics, we recognize that God works through the suffering and works through the hard. How do you speak to someone who maybe either they're going through the hard right now and they don't see the light, they don't see God working through that? What are some ways that you can suggest or offer for them so that they realize that they're not alone in this journey and uh, you know, that this suffering, well, it's, it's intentional because a lot of times people will say, you know, well, this 
horrible thing happened to me or my loved ones. And, uh, and you bring up the, that scripture from Mark, you know, uh, his parents must have sinned. He must have sinned. How do you speak to someone who maybe is going through a pretty difficult experience in their life and to let them know that, you know, God is still with them and they didn't, I don't want to say deserve this, but um, how do you help them see that God is there with them? I think that's always the hardest part out of any of this is how do you have hope in the midst of this tremendous suffering? And, and it's, it's not an easy, and I mean, it's an easy answer. It's not a simple thing to do. Um, the opposite side of despair is hope, right? And hope stems from gratitude. And I'm not talking your gratitude journal, name the 10 things you're happy for today. I, I, that's very surface to me. I'm talking about in the midst of being in the ICU and your daughter's in the midst of one minute of not breathing during a seizure and the doctors are trying to, to, to calm her brain down enough for her to take a breath and you're holding her head at the top of the bed and your only prayer is, Lord Jesus, if this is her last breath, then may she go straight to you. I am grateful that she goes to you. Lord Jesus, if this is how it's supposed to be, then please give me the capacity to love her and care for her in however she's going to be, whatever the end result of this is. Lord Jesus, I don't know why this is happening to me. I didn't ask for it. I didn't want it, but you're allowing it. So I am grateful that you're allowing it because I know that we're going to see your glory through it. Now, you might hear those words and you're in the midst of the storm and you're listening to my voice right now and a stream of consciousness is coming through your mouth that starts with, you know, four letter words. Like, no, we're not even gonna, like you just step off my train, right? I've been there. I've been there. And the thing is, is that God never abandons us. He is faithful and he is true. Whether you feel him with you or not means nothing. He is there. He is there. And this is when we have to step out of our feelings and into what we know about God, because your feelings lie to you. And if you're anything like me, I am very emotive. I am like a volcano. I go off all the time. My husband is like a slow burn. When he goes, you just don't want to be around, but I burn off constantly. Mm -hmm. And therefore, you know, I get, I, I have that volcanic sort of like, oh, I hate this and I can't believe this is happening and blah, 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 blah. And then there's that sort of recovery where the Lord comes and he ministers to me. He will speak through a song. He'll speak through a person. He'll speak through a doctor. He'll speak through written word, whatever, where he will tell me in no uncertain terms, I am with you. And I call it my even if prayer. It's a great prayer um, that the church calls the lament, right? You go through the Psalms and here's David and David has totally messed up, like killed Bathsheba's husband, messed up. Like I didn't do that. I haven't messed up that bad. And here he is going to the Lord. Hi, it's me, David. I know you remember me. Let me tell you all the great things you've done for me. Let me praise you, right? So praise is the first part, introduction and praise. Then he's going to ask him something. 
Lord, like for me, I need Courtney to get out of the ICU because she's just going to pick up something else that's there. And this is just going to get worse and worse and worse. I'll take the seizures. Can we please go home? Right. And then comes the even if part. But even if you decide that for her good and your glory, X, Y, Z has to happen. I still love you. I will still praise you. And I'm still grateful for this life that you have given me. And that takes practice. It takes practice in those little moments where he gives you that opportunity to look to him in gratitude and say, even if I still love you, I praise you, I honor you, and I thank you for this child's life. You know, I think one of the things that just came out as you were talking just now is when you were in the ICU or in those moments that were similar to the ICU and you were essentially bargaining with God. Um, you were doing that bargaining, but it wasn't just the bargaining. It was that you added that even if it's that you had the wherewithal to know that, okay, even if this is part of your plan, I'm bargaining, but even if this is part of your plan, I still love you. And I think that's something that's really important. And I know that um, it took me a long time to get to that point where I had that even if, or even though this happened to me, even though I went through all of this suffering, even though my parents went through the suffering that they went through, and those of us who loved them went through all of this suffering, we still love God. And we came out on that other side of it. And I think he allows us to practice throughout our whole lives. Like I didn't just come to being Courtney's mom and then being at, you know, in the, in the emergency room at five weeks old and not having anything to draw upon. Right. I was raised in a Catholic home. I didn't really encounter Jesus or have that personal experience with the Lord until I was in college, but I had something to draw on. I had, there was something already there. He was already with me, whether I practiced very well or not, which I didn't, um, he was still present to me. And so, you know, I think God is more concerned with our eternal, our time with him in eternity than he is with our comfort here on earth, right? And so suffering happens. And as Catholics, we have this beautiful, beautiful way of looking at suffering, which is redemptive suffering. Suffering is never lost. God never just leaves it on the playing field, right? Everything, good, bad, hard, holy, he uses all of it. He uses all of it for our good and for his glory. And so nothing is wasted in this. There was not one day of Courtney's life that was wasted, not one moment of suffering that was wasted, not one moment of joy that was wasted. And I, I can look back now and I see his hand so clearly. What's hard is that when you're in the midst of that storm, the wind is whipping around, the rain is hitting you and it hurts, the lightning scaring the baloney out of you and you can't see his hand. So uh, my husband loves to use this great quote by Winston Churchill. He's a military historian, so Winston's his guy. His and he says, so I know him very well. <laughs> there you go. He's like, when you, when you, when you come and you're walking and you're walking through hell, what do you do? You keep walking, right? That's what trust in the Lord is. If we have trust that God is who he says he is, because he's either insane or he's Jesus. 
You know, he's either the savior of the world or a crazy person. And if we believe that he really is God, and you have all of these eyewitness accounts of who he is, right? With the apostles and the saints, then we have to trust him with the outcome of whatever is happening. And that trust looks like us continuing to walk through the storm. I I think that is so valuable because when I was listening to your story and you're talking about, you know, this didn't just happen overnight, that this was a process and God gives us this over time. I think it also speaks to our humanness, you know, um, I would imagine Mary that you guys didn't always handle everything gracefully. I would imagine that, you know, there's going to be times where you might have turned to vices and, and I know, like I'm saying this for our, our listeners that people are going through the trenches, you know, another world war two reference, actually that's a world war one reference, sorry. Um, but they're going through the hard time. And, you know, as a Catholic, I tend to want to try and uh, sanctify myself in every opportunity. And I end up falling harder as a result of it. And, you know, just like David, you know, he went through all of these trials. He sinned multiple times. And yet God's mercy through all of those trials continued because he continued to seek him out. And so, It sounds like even though, you know, what you're saying and through your story, God is still with us regardless, even if we aren't perfect in the process. And that's hard for, you know, for myself and, you know, uh, Jennifer and I, we've shared already, we're, we're very type A personalities. That's hard to let go of some of that perfection. Well, and, you know, perfection is, is one of the tools the devil loves. Oh, he loves perfectionism. It's one of his favorites. And what I learned along the way, it was probably when Courtney was probably about 15 or so. I had kind of a, um, I don't call it like a reconversion, but it sort of felt like that, right? This idea of, I realized I was relying on myself. I can fix it. I can take care of it. I'm intelligent enough. I'm strong enough. And the whole point was God was like, no, sweetheart, sit down, honey. You know, when you come to the end of you, then I'm picking it up. And and you need to let me do that because I love you and I love her. And that's that's what I do, right? I walk with you. Like you're carrying the cross, but I, I, I'm your Simon of Cyrene. I'm right there. I'm carrying it with you. So I had to learn, and I think we have to learn, to not rely on ourselves, You know, I look back and we did not do anything perfectly. Our marriage was a nightmare for the first 12 years. I mean, filled with addiction, filled with anger, filled with resentment. And I say to people now, you know, we're celebrating 35 years of marriage and I still like him and think he's cute. (laughs) You know, if you don't think God exists, come talk to me. I'm going to sit down and tell you the story of my marriage because It has been healed and redeemed and restored by the grace and most precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, not because of anything Jerry and I did. The one thing we did was we said yes, you know, and that's the key. God's never going to force you into happiness or joy. He's never going to force you into surrender. He's never going to force you into relationship. He's a gentleman. He doesn't push himself like that but he is not going to abandon you. He will sit there and wait outside that door of your heart and he will sit there and he'll knock every once in a while and be like, I'm here whenever you're ready because there's only one doorknob and that's on the inside and you have to open it. And so when we were ready to do that, 
All he needs is just like that beam of light to come through the crack. That's it. That's all he needs. And then you allow the Holy Spirit to come and rearrange all the furniture and take out all the cobwebs in the corner and all the muck on the windows. And you turn around and for the first time in your life, you can take a deep breath because you know that you're not alone in this. I was never alone in that ICU. I felt alone. It was really dark. There were really, really um, horrific, traumatic moments of life and death happening in front of my eyes, but I was never alone. You know, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, Mary, is Andrea and I have both talked about this idea of having pre-grief or what's also known as anticipatory grief. And so when you have someone who has a terminal illness or some type of disorder that you know is going to result in their death, it's like you go through, you start the grieving process while they're still on earth. Would you like to share a little bit about your experience with that? Absolutely. I agree. I think that's one of the reasons why now I'm able to embrace joy in such a way, because I grieved from the time she was seven months old till the day she died and till today. And what I had to grieve was when we were at Hopkins and she was undergoing all of these tests to figure out why, you know, why uh, did she have an allergic reaction to the medication? Why did she, you know, have her uh, brain stem swell? All of the whys, right? The big whys, big medical whys. I'll never forget the doctors coming into the, um, into the room the day that we were released. And they were like, she's never going to walk. She's never going to talk. You're going to have to take care of her for the rest of her life. We don't think she'll live past three. So, um, you know, just love her as best you can. And we wish you all the best. And I remember just sitting there and I wept and then I got mad. Like, how dare you tell me that this child is not going to live? And where is your hope? And where, you know, you say you're the experts. Where's your expertise? Where's your, I just, you know, and I started fighting. But I also started grieving because I had to say goodbye to the baby dolls and the Barbies and the dating and the getting married and the having babies. I knew she wouldn't outlive us. I just had a sense of that. And um, I just, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to give up on her. But at the same time, I had to figure out how to live and not die every single day. And I, and I mean that like emotionally, spiritually, physically, you know, I dealt with anxiety. I dealt with depression. Um, we had, you know, our marriage went through just all of this. Our son went through his own journey as a sibling of a special needs child, and then having his only sibling die. Um, so by the time we got to her graveside, you know, on, uh, on New Year's Eve of, 2014, um, we, we were in a different place. We had grieved a lot of her life, but at the same time, I believe when you grieve, grief is just love that you didn't get to express. It's just all the extra, right? So it's, I'm very extra to start with. So I got extra, extra. Okay. So you've got all this extra love that you want to give to them and the wisdom you want to share with them and all the memories you want to make together. I had to let that go. But in letting that go, that left room in my heart to embrace where we actually were. And, you know, when Courtney laughed, that was like gold. 
you know, when she would look at you and she would smile, we knew she couldn't see us. She was cortically blind, but she could see the out, outline of our face. She knew our voices. You know, it was the little things. Our life became so simple. You know, did Courtney have a good day? Did she laugh today? Did she smile today? Um, you know, when Jonathan came in from school or work, you know, did she turn toward his voice? You know, did she put her head on your shoulder? That was kind of like her way of hugging. So by the time we got to her death, which was beautiful and peaceful, um, and just the hardest moment of my entire life, because my heart broke and would never be the same. But at the same time, I knew that when she closed her eyes here, she would be opening them in heaven and be seeing her beloved who had asked this of her. And she had agreed, you know, to suffer in this way. We believe that about our daughter and that she ran to his arms and she hasn't left him since. So, you know, she got the better end of the deal, I got to say, in all of this, um, as hard as it is to be without her. But she taught us to be present to be totally present, the sacrament of the present moment is what my deacon friend calls it. And, and that means I don't, I still struggle looking to the future because I'm in today. Courtney taught me about today. I can't fix yesterday. I can be present today. What can I do to love the person right in front of me today? Because that's what God is asking of me because that's what Courtney taught me. And, you know, to grieve is to let go of the possibility of what could be to make room for the glory of what actually is. Are there any scriptures, Mary, that you used during this time, uh, either during her, her experience with her health or even after her passing that comforted you? Yeah, there are two of them that, that really are our favorites, are still our favorites. You had shared part of one before, Jeremiah 29, 11, but I even go on to 12 and 13. I go Jeremiah 29, 11 to 13. So, of course, the first part is for I know the plans I have in mind for you, plans for your welfare, not for your harm, to give you a future with hope. That was always so important to us. But it's the next two verses that really seal the deal, right? So verse 12 says, then when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. And then it goes on to 13. When you search for me, you will find me. And if you seek me with all your heart. And that's really, you know, um, that's what Courtney taught us to do. We searched and we sought and we grasped and we hoped and we cried and we did all of those things. Um, and that led to this other verse that we uh, prayed since 2007, and it's Ephesians 3, 20, 21. And basically it says that the generosity of God can never, ever be outdone for those who love him. And we have seen miracles. You know, everybody thinks miracles are these big splashy things that get saints noticed. And, um, you know, and that's, I live in a world of miracles. I live in a day filled with miracles. Did I find the right parking space without like cursing? Did I, did I find the right dress that, that actually makes me look not like my grandmother's couch? Did I find, I mean, these are miracles, you know, I know it sounds silly, but they truly are. And with Courtney, a miracle was, you know, Hey, um, did she make it to lunch without a seizure? You know, or did she do really well? Did she stand in her stander? 
for more than 15 seconds. Did she, I mean, we just, we, we had miracle upon miracle, financial miracles, physical miracles, spiritual miracles. And I think we forget that God's love for us is so abundant and so overwhelming that just the fact we get to breathe it in is miraculous. And we get so bound down by what Satan wants. He wants us in chaos and confusion. He wants us in doubt and hopelessness. And that is not of God. You know, God is good and glorious and waiting for us to just say, help me. I found in my own experience that the more I turn to God, the more that the enemy is going to try and push me back. And I think that's really where when someone is trying to walk that journey with God, you're going to have those obstacles because if you're not seeking God out, then the enemy's won already. So there's no pushback or at least not as much, right? But if you're trying to seek him out, you're going to see the struggle more because now you're a threat. Absolutely. Uh, It's called resistance for a reason. It's resistance when you're building up your physical muscles. It's resistance when you're building up your spiritual muscles. There's a great little plaque that I have above my sink in the kitchen. And it says, be that woman that when your feet hit the floor every morning, Satan says, oh, baloney, she's up. Be that woman, right? And who is that? That is a woman of God. Am I perfect? Not even close. Praise Jesus for the sacrament of confession. Okay. I utilize it often, but I try. And that's the whole point. God's not asking for our perfection. He's asking for us to just show up. And these children that he gives us, these, these diseases in our loved ones, these, um, you know, challenges and storms that come to our lives, whether they be in a form of a person in form of a of financial, in form of, you know, emotional, whatever it is, they don't come from him. We live in a fallen world. And so sin exists. And with sin comes suffering. But what he does provide for us is the ultimate healing balm. And that is his word, his scripture, that for us as the as Catholics are the sacraments. And when we go to him and we turn to him, even in our annoyance and our fear and our how could you's and why would you's he's still there he's still there and he says i know you can't see it yet just stay with me a while trust me walk with me you know mary one of the things that i i love about following you on social media is that you regularly post about courtney and about how she intercedes for you and how you ask for her to intercede and you pray to her and ask for her saintly intercession. And so, of course, we know Courtney's your favorite saint. Um, I, I have no doubt about that. But besides Courtney, are there any saints who became your go-to or who are your, your go-to saints or as um, as Allison Jingris likes to say, they are part of your saint posse. Yes, I call them my war tribunal because you know I'm married to Jerry, so we have to have a war tribunal. <laughs> um, yes, we we've got some powerhouses. So of course, Our Lady. I, I her her uh, her favorite title of mine is Our Lady of Sorrows, uh, cause of my joy, and I I use that specifically because we can't have Easter without Good Friday, and it was because of Our Lady's yes of her full, complete, compliant, yes, total trust in the Lord 
that we even can call ourselves Christians, right? That we even have Jesus. So Our Lady of Sorrows, cause of our joy, St. Jude Thaddeus, um, he is the patron saint of families and hopeless cases of which my dad used to say we were both. So he's a good one to go to. Um, and he's very well loved in our family. And of course, our grandson now carries his name. So um, you, my daughter-in-law has a tremendous devotion to him as well. So I love St. Jude. Uh, St. Michael, the archangel, uh, just the man he slays, right? He slays. So literally, so St. Michael is on there. We've got St. Mary Magdalene, um, specifically for us in our marriage with my uh, husband's addiction to pornography, which I entered into with him uh, for about seven years. So she's very important to us as a couple and the restoration of our marriage bed. Um, St. Benedict and St. Scholastica. And they're kind of unusual in that, um, you know, I didn't really know a lot about them. Of course, St. Benedict is work and pray, which is beautiful, or at Ora et labora, but St. Scholastica is actually one of the uh, patronesses of those who have seizures. Oh, I It's not that. very well known that she is, but um, I love them because they're siblings. And if you know the story of Scholastica and Benedict, um, Scholastica knew that she was going to pass away. She knew it was time for her to go to God. And Benedict could only see her you know, maybe once every few years or what have you. And he had come for his visit with her at the monastery and she just didn't want him to leave. So she asked God to bring about a storm to keep him there. And so they stayed up all night talking with one another and sharing their hearts with one another. And the next day, Benedict goes off back up the mountain to his monastery and halfway up, he he knew the Lord told him that she had gone to be with him. And I think of my son, Jonathan, and my daughter, Courtney, and um, and their relationship on a spiritual level is very similar. And um, and so uh, Scholastica was Jonathan, uh, I'm sorry, Courtney's confirmation name. He chose that for her. So those two. Cool. And um, I think rounding out the bunch, we're going to throw in St. Thomas Aquinas because he was called the dumb ox and yet he was brilliant. And uh, anybody that says, you know, take a nap, have a sip of wine or take a bath and life will be better. I'm all, he's, he's just in my, he's in my, he's my people. I love that. Especially the wine part. So, (laughs) well, so I want to jump back to what Jennifer was talking about, how, and for our listeners that may not know or don't follow you, that you do ask for your daughter's intercession. And and I think there's actually even a lot of Catholics that don't realize that, you know, what that is. So if you could maybe explain a little bit to us and, and even for maybe some of our Protestant friends, because I think there's this idea that if you pray to a saint that you're taking away from Jesus or, you know, and, right. and, and so maybe you could just go into that a little bit for us. So um, when I got married, Jerry was Lutheran. He was not Catholic yet. And so this was something that we talked about a lot, especially in our early marriage. So when people from the outside of the Catholic world take a look at what we do with um, how we pray to saints, right? They're saying, why are you idolizing them? You're making them an idol, placing them before Jesus. No, that is not what intercessory prayer is. So if you think of, um, I, I know my grandmother has gone before me to heaven. And I say, Granny, you know, I've got a big test today. Can you help me from heaven? Can you just go to Jesus and say, hey, hi, Jesus. 
my granddaughter, she could use a little extra something today, right? That's intercessory prayer. It's when my friends come to me and say, Mary, I need X, Y, and Z prayer. Would you pray for me? And so we not only do intercessory prayer with those that have gone before us, but we do them with our neighbor down the street, our, our friends at church and so forth. So Courtney, because we believe that she uh, was not able to sin, she was not able to walk or talk, and she was about the developmental age of a nine-month-old child when she died, even though she was 22. According to what the church calls a saint, you know, um, we we feel fairly certain that Courtney is is with the saints in heaven, right? And as parents, our one job, our one job is to pray our kids to heaven. So like, Jonathan, I <laughs> I tell him all the time, no pressure, but 50-50, we got one there, you know, like no pressure, buddy. And he laughs all the time. He goes, mom, do you know what it's like to be, you know, the brother of a saint? And I'm like, try being our mother. It's- <laughs> oh my gosh, Mary, I'm sorry. You just, I'm trying really hard not to laugh because you just, you're, I, you're just a gem. I just love your personality and you say some of the most amazing things, but yeah, I, that's a lot of pressure. I can imagine. It is. And so he, um, so what we do is we ask Courtney who, you know, sits with the saints in heaven. Could you, you know, go to Jesus, go to our lady, say, Hey, go to God, the father, mom needs a little help. Right. So That's what intercessory prayer is. You're asking someone else to stand with you at the throne of God and ask with you for X, Y, Z, okay? And so Courtney, when she was dying, the last three months of her life led into the season of Advent. And so for Advent, for those that don't know, it's the, the, is it 40 days? No, it's the three weeks or whatever. Yeah, it is. Before Christmas. Is it 40 days? Thank you. I'm such a bad Catholic. Hello. Thank you for joining. Anyway, so, um, so she, that last advent was very powerful for us because here the world was waiting for Christ to be born, but we were waiting for our daughter to die and go to heaven. So it was a very different advent for us. It was still waiting, but it was waiting for her birth into heaven. Right. And so the next advent comes, Courtney has been now gone a year and we were putting up all the Christmas decorations and I have her stocking and I don't know what to do with it. It's a very common problem when you're grieving. What do you do with the dead person's stocking? And, and so I just kind of laid it back in the trunk. I thought, gosh, if I put it up, it'll make everybody depressed and sad. And this is already hard enough as it is. Let's not. Well, my son was having none of that. He's like, mom, he goes, how about if we hang it up and then we just write down things that we really need Courtney's intercession for? Right. So, you know, uh, Jonathan wanted to get married for a spouse, for whatever, you know, we put it in there and just, we say the rosary, which is a sacramental prayer, um, every night during Advent. And so anything that was put in that stocking, we just offered up in our prayers that night, you know, Lord, we're asking intercession for these things. Well, I started sharing that with some of my girlfriends and then they passed it along and I started getting emails. Mary, could you pray for this? Could you ask for Courtney's intercession in this? So on and so forth. So by the following Advent, we had Courtney's prayer stocking and it has now become an annual thing where our family prays for every single prayer that is sent to us via the internet, via text message, direct message on Instagram. However, 
beginning the first Sunday in Advent, going all the way through the Epiphany, which is January 6th, because that's the Epiphany is when the three wise men come and they give their gifts. So our gifts are these prayers to heaven. And we have seen many, many miracles through those intercessory prayers. Uh, there have been babies conceived, cancer that has gone away, um, ailments that have ended, uh, disabilities, uh, learning disabilities that no longer exist. I get an email every day of somebody who has a picture of a positive pregnancy test or their marriage has been restored. And I'm not saying that Courtney is in charge of all of that. All I'm saying is that she, in her, the power of who God made her to be, goes before the Lord on behalf of you and me and whoever else asks of her, just like we do of St. Jude, just like we do of Our Lady. You know, we are not superseding Jesus or God the Father. We're, we're, we're adding to the party, you know, we're all standing, we're asking them into the room of prayer to offer it up. Um, and, and then you, it's, you know, then it becomes, you can't become attached to the outcome. We're just simply offering the prayers and the Lord does what he does, but it's been amazing. Yeah. I, I think you're right. You can't assume that you're going to get what you want when you're saying the prayer, you can't be attached to that, but that prayer is so powerful and so beautiful. And I would even go as far to say for people who are listening, you know, we don't know necessarily if our loved ones are or are not in heaven, but still to ask for their intercession, because even for the souls that are in purgatory, while they cannot pray for themselves, they can pray for us. And so that can be also a very powerful way of, of asking for intercession. And then when they do finally make it to heaven, they are our prayer warriors. They are there for us kind of, you know, trailblazing on our behalf. Absolutely. And I always hear uh, several of my Protestant friends say, you know, my grandfather's looking out for me. My dad's looking out for me. Well, yeah, they are. If you ask them to, <laughs> you know? yeah. if you, you know, if you ask, say, Hey, I, I could use a, a little bit of help. Hey, you know, my father, my father has been gone for 21 years now. And I, you know, do I know if he's in heaven? I, I don't but I pray for his intercession all the time and I pray for his soul all the time. So it's kind of like this beautiful double edge, you know, the thorn with the flower, right? So we pray for them and then we ask for their prayers for, for us. So it's just like me asking my neighbor, Susie, Hey, could you say a prayer at two o'clock today? I've got some tests that are being run. I just could use some coverage, prayer coverage, right? It's the same concept except for they've already gone before us. Amen. So, and it's funny also my, after my mom died, we saw a lot of, I'm going to call them miracles. I'm always hesitant to say miracles because I feel like I have to have some kind of like special, you know, um, uh, like a blessing from my bishop in order to call it a miracle. But, you know, we had some pregnancies that were not expected in our family and close family members. And I know for myself that, I wouldn't have gone into writing if my mom had not passed. There was, it was truly a Holy Spirit moment to be able to go through this journey that was not in my plan to do that. And so our, our loved ones certainly do intercede for us. So, and, you know, Mary, so in talking about plans and how plans go differently, I know that for me, there were so many instances of even um, when my mom was sick because my mom got sick before my dad and passed before my dad. 
But I just remember, you know, feeling like I was at a point where, okay, I know what your plan is, God, I see it now. And then something else would throw it off and I would think I would be okay and everything was fine. And, and then I would start to question not just myself, but God's plans. So for anyone who, who might be in that space where they are questioning, you know, why God, or what are the plans that you have? For me, what is some advice that you could give them? Well, you can't trust who you don't know, right? You can't love who you don't know. So first and foremost, you must be in relationship with the Lord. How are you supposed to trust him if you don't know him? How are you supposed to, to wait and, and be confident in who he is if you don't know who that is? So my first piece of advice would be get to know the Lord, be in relationship with him. And I'm not talking, you don't have to do complicated prayers and all of these, these things. Pick up the Bible, you know, basic instruction before leaving earth. That's what we used to tell our teenagers all the time. The Bible, right? The Bible is the greatest love letter ever written to us. It is a story of God's pursuit of us. Okay. So what does that lead to? When you get to know him through scripture, it leads to prayer. What is prayer? That is our love letter to God, right? That's how we speak to him. He speaks to us through the scriptures. We speak to him through prayer. So the power of words, the power of story written in this beautiful book that you could read again and again and again and never see the same thing twice, never understand the same thing twice, right? because that's the power of a living word, draws you into conversation, which is what prayer is. It's just me sitting down with Jesus, you know, saying, Lord, I don't get this. Like I saw this plan and I was okay with that. And I gave you my yes. And then you went and you like totally took us off to a different road. Like what the heck, right? And in that part, he's at, what he's asking of us is a deeper trust. He's asking of us, a deeper faith, right? What is faith? Faith is that I believe that God is who he says he is and that he's going to do what he has proven to do. What did God do? He died for me. Am I willing to do the same? Right? Um, not personally today, please, Lord, don't ask me to do that today. But I mean, we die to ourselves and, and to him in so many different ways. It's not just physical death. It's It's humility. You know, it's um, being set aside. I had a child that was in a wheelchair. You want to know how the world treats them? You know, they don't even see them. And then when she would make her, her noises like Chewbacca, because that's how she spoke, then, then she, was, she was a blight, right? She was, there was an ugliness that couldn't be beautiful. And yet you would never meet a more beautiful person than Courtney. So God is not asking for perfection. He's asking for conversation. His greatest desire is it to be in relationship with you, to hear your voice. A lot of people, they challenge me all the time. And they're like, Mary, I don't even know why you pray. God knows everything that's in your heart. Yeah, he does. He knows my heart's desire. He knows my sins too. But you want to know what the most beautiful sound to him is? The sound of your voice, saying those things to him, talking to him, that is music to his ears. He made you in his image and likeness, and he gave you that voice. So use it. 
and talk to him, sing to him, you know, preach to him, yell at him, but be in relationship with him. Don't rely on yourself. That's, that's another thing the devil uses is self-reliance. I don't need anybody's help. Oh, heck yeah, I do every moment of every day, you know, and that's why he left us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the great encourager, right? Satan wants you in chaos, as we said before, chaos and confusion. What is what does the encourager do? He brings life. He brings truth. You know, he doesn't speak in words of I hate or I can't. He's like, oh, yes, you can, because I'm with you. You know, there's that that famous song, The Wind Beneath My Wings, right? Yeah. And, and that's what I think of. I'm like, all right, let's go. We got some flying to do. Let's go, buddy. Well, and I, I, I love what you're saying. And it just makes me think about, you know, God doesn't need us, but he wants us. And he is, like you said earlier in the episode, he's a gentleman. He's not going to impose himself on us. But at the same time, you know, we can't do all of this on our own. We have to seek out. He doesn't need us to carry out his plans. He doesn't need us to walk through anything. He's God, but yet he created us and he wants us to want him. He wants us to seek him out. And, um, and I do, I think that is great advice, especially when you said you can't trust who you don't know. I mean, that to me is gold. If we don't have a relationship with God, how can we trust him? How can we put that out there if we don't even try to seek him out? So Well, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be on your podcast if Courtney were still alive. Let's be real. I would be taking care of my daughter, living in the quietness of that life. Because I didn't come to this where I am now with writing books and speaking and all of that until almost five years after her death. So the Lord needed me to say yes, to walk that journey, and then to begin the healing of that journey and the grieving of that journey in order to understand that as long as there is breath in my body, there is still work for me to do. And I might never have even considered that work, which I never did until he placed it upon my heart to do. So his timing is perfect timing, but you're not going to know that unless you're listening to that still small voice in the midst of prayer to say, Mary, I need you to do this. And for you to, if you're anything like me to say, no, I don't think you do. I think you're crazy. And we're just not going to talk about it right now. And then, you know, he begins his relentless pursuit and you find yourself here five years later. So. Well, I think, you know, your testimony is something that a lot of us go through. And I think, you know, everything that you're saying, well, I haven't had my daughter in that experience. And I have three daughters, by the way. Uh, I think, though, that you have to go through that journey for in order for God to see you, you know, um, forget who it said, who says it. And I always quote them. And now I can't think of who who says it. But um, God sometimes breaks your heart to get your attention. Uh, I think that was Fulton Sheen. I could be wrong, though. But anyway, I, I think that that's you have to go through those hardships in order to get to that place. You know, you don't write books just because you feel like writing books. You're writing from a place of experience and you're not writing it like you said at the beginning because you wanted to. You're doing it because God has asked you to share that story. And that goes into kind of 
as we get closer to the end of our podcast, what are the plans that God has for you right now, Mary? What is he calling you to do now that you're in this stage where, you know, Courtney has, uh, she is now your intercessory saint and you have a new grandbaby and you and your husband, you know, are together. What is, what are the plans that he has for you now? So currently we've decided, uh, well, we haven't decided the Lord asked and we said, yes, uh, we are, have launched a podcast, uh, called the Mary and Jerry podcast. I know it's original in its title, but when you're in middle age, that's pretty much what you could remember. So that's what we went with and just kind of sharing our experiences in marriage and, and parenting. And, um, you know, as Jerry says, we're very wise and wisdom comes from failure. So we are just the wisest people you ever want to meet. Um, but so we're, we're doing the podcasting. I'm, I'm working on a third book, um, on encouragement and the Holy spirit. And, um, you know, we're just, when, when opportunities come for me to go and speak or lead a retreat, I go and I do that. And uh, we're doing a lot more speaking together as a couple, especially on restoration in marriage uh, after pornography addiction um, and things of that nature. So it's just, it's a very different place to be. And I have the great joy of living close enough to my son and, and grandson and, and daughter-in-law that I get to see him uh, at least once a week. So that's a tremendous joy in my life. Um, he's just, oh, he's sunshine and love. So, um, you know, we're just, and we continue to serve the church. We're beginning uh, this fall in the RCIA, being instructors in our RCIA program at our parish. So that's a, a new direction for us coming out of youth ministry and going into that. So yeah, lots of different things, but um, just primarily the number one thing is to love the person right in front of us. I mean, if they, that's literally what we do. And and there are some days where it starts out on one path and by lunchtime you're on path number 32. And by dinner time you have 10 people sitting at your table um, and you're praising God that you froze that lasagna two weeks ago because they just showed <laughs> up and they're college kids and they're in town and school's in session and the door's open and there's a seat at the table. So it, it, it can be kind of um, a little chaotic and a little wild sometimes. And then other times you're begging for chaos because it's so quiet. So it's just different. It's a different speed of life. And, and uh, I just, I just want to do what God needs me to do. You know, I want to honor him. I want, I never want to be somebody's uh, path away from him. I never want to take the focus off of him. I, I know you see my face and you hear my voice, but I want it to be his. And uh, cause I know I have more time behind me than I do in front of me. And, and that's very, um, not heavy on my heart, but it's just present there to know that, you know, life is precious and time is precious and to spend it well. Amen. Amen. Well, Mary, I just wanted to say that I would love a seat at your table. So I will gladly come over when I'm in your neighborhood to have a seat at your table. And lasagna is one of my favorite foods, even if it is frozen lasagna, I would gladly take it. Uh, but for, <laughs> for the sake of our listeners who don't follow you yet, which we know you're going to get a lot who start following you after they listen to all of your wisdom that you've shared with us. Where can listeners find you? I spend most of my time on social media at in, in Instagram. So it's at Mary Lenneberg, my name. Um, you can find me on my website, maryleneberg.com. Um, my two books, Be Brave and the Scared and Be Bold and the Broken, can be purchased from Ave Maria Press or from Amazon or christianbooks.com or wherever books are sold. 
And um, you can ask me to come speak. There's a form on the website. Um, yeah, I, I love to answer emails from from anybody and everybody. I answer all of my own social media DMs myself. So when you get a, a hug or a you're doing great, it really is me that are typing those words. So wonderful. We're going to close with a prayer. And actually, we have two things we'll do before we close. But we're going to close with a prayer. Uh, and we always pray for the souls, whether they're in heaven or in purgatory. Uh, we pray for all of our souls. So we're going to go ahead and close in prayer and um, offer up Courtney in our prayer. So in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity today to to speak with Mary, to hear about her daughter, Courtney, and her journey and all the plans that you have made for her. We ask all of those who are listening today to, we pray for them, for their plans, whatever you put upon their heart, Lord, help us to be open to listen and to hear you. And we also want to ask for the intercession of, of Courtney Lienenberg. Eternal rest grant on to Courtney, O Lord, and let the perpetual light shine upon her. May she rest in peace in all the eternal glory. And we ask for Courtney's intercession. Courtney Lindenberg, pray for us in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we close with one other little special thing, and we call this our morning glory, hence the name. So, Mary, what is your morning glory? Where are you in your season of life? Ups or downs, uh, what are you going through that's helping you be closer to God in your glory? Um, I think grief matures in, with time. And so right now it's, um, it's that personal connection with the Lord Jesus every single day. It's reading the daily scriptures. It's spending the first hour of my day literally in silence, um, taking in his word, um, listening for where he needs me to go. Um, and the way that I, I kind of pray through writing, like I write a letter to the Lord every day, like, dear Jesus, I didn't sleep last night. You know why, but I'll tell you why. And I just, that's really been, and I talk about Courtney and I talk about, you know, whatever it is, that's really been grounding for me. Um, and I, I really, I've just, I cling to that. I love that. That's absolutely beautiful. And you may not know, but Jennifer writes letters to her parents and she's been writing them for many years and offering them up. So I think that, you know, that's just kind of a reminder of our, our prayers don't have to be in a formal way. They don't have to be rote prayers. They can sometimes just be letters to Jesus, you know? So, well, Mary, Amen. you are a true joy. I have loved listening to you. I have been, laughing and also in crying throughout all of this. This has just been, you know, a blessing and you can truly see and, and hear the Holy Spirit in your voice that this is really something that wasn't your plan. It wasn't your journey, but God chose you to go through this and to be that vessel for all of us. So thank you again for, for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. It's been such a privilege and a delight. It's been a delight for us. All right. So listeners, we thank you so much for joining us here on the Morning Glory podcast. We hope that you have found some comfort and support in today's show and in future shows or past shows that we continue to bring you on our journey to one day be reunited with God. I'm Jennifer Thomas. Until we meet again, 
God bless. I'm Andrea Bear. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Morning Glory podcast. If you'd like to hear more episodes, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other podcast platforms. You can also check out our Facebook and Instagram pages at Morning Glory Podcast or send us an email at morningglorypodcast at gmail.com. That's M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. G-L-O-R-Y podcast at gmail.com. Until we meet again, God bless.